Hi, I'm Rachel Roerig. And I'm Heidi Schamberg. And this is the Market Meets Podcast. We are here to introduce you to the people behind the marketplace. The owners, entrepreneurs, investors, and community leaders who are driving the real estate economy and transforming our community. Their stories are unique. Their stories are inspiring. Their stories will make you see your community in a brand new light. These are the people behind the market. Today, we are exploring the craft beer market in Boulder, Colorado with Dan Garfinkel, co-founder of Finkel and Garf Brewing Co. We talk about everything from nicknames to supermarket chains and the journey in between based around family and fun. Today, we are talking with Dan Garfinkel of Finkel and Garf Brewery in Boulder, Colorado. And we're just going to jump right in here, Dan. Thanks for joining us. Tell My us. pleasure to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Tell us how Finkel and Garf got started. Fingal and Garf started in July of 2014. Uh, a year prior to that, my dad and I were having a great conversation, and we realized we were spending a lot of time hanging out in breweries around Boulder, and uh, we knew we'd always want to get in business together. We kind of found ourselves saying, the beer business looks like a lot of fun. We could probably do this. Let's, uh, let's explore it, see what that looks like, well, a year later, we opened our doors, July 14th, 2014. Wow. That's awesome. That's a pretty short timeline, too, to go from, like, idea inception to open for business. Yeah. So I was in New York City beforehand, and my parents were in Boulder. And I think part of what actually allowed us to move so fast was that when I moved from New York to Boulder, I moved into their basement. So we lived together for a year and we could get everything done that we needed to, whether it was early mornings, like 4 a.m. when we were both up and thinking through this and trying to put together a plan and late nights around the dinner table, we pretty much were one floor away from each other. <laughs> oh my gosh. All time. That's awesome. That's so, so awesome. I think that helped and gave us, you know, the ability to move fast and go from ideation and then opening our doors a year later. That's amazing. So you were in New York. Tell us why Boulder is the perfect place to have a brewery. That is a great question. I think at the time it made sense. I think Colorado in general is a great place to be given the laws at the time and what it allows a brewery to do. So what Boulder offered to us ultimately was a tight-knit community that we wanted to be a part of. A lot of great breweries already in Boulder. And the cool thing about the beer community is everybody wants to help everybody else. We're all kind of doing things for the first time. And if somebody's learned and experienced something, they're generally more than happy to share that knowledge. We really didn't know much about Denver at the time or other parts of Colorado. My parents, like I said, lived in Boulder. And given that we were there in Boulder for the year, kind of planning and thinking through all this, it just made sense that Boulder was going to be the place. We also have the uh, the college town. There's plenty of people coming through as far as tourists go. So I think at the time, it was there really was no other option. So why wouldn't we do this in Boulder? It's one of the best places in America. So totally. let's set up shop here and get it done. Get started. Exactly. Had, mm -hmm. had either of you ever brewed beer before? <laughs> uh, that, that is that is a very good question the short answer is no 
So I, I think part of what makes Finkel and Garf so interesting uh, as far as breweries go is that neither my dad or I were brewers previously. We looked at the beer industry as something that looked like a lot of fun and something we wanted to be part of. And we approached it from the consumer's perspective because we wanted to make the beer that we wanted to drink. Mm -hmm. We wanted mm -hmm. to have the type of environment in our tap room that we wanted to hang out in. And at the end of the day, it allowed us to be flexible in the types of beer we made and our packaging and how we did things because we hadn't been doing something. We hadn't like been brewing in a bathtub right. for the last 10 years together and where that product is what we wanted to put out there. There's a lot of great success stories where that's the case, where it was kind of the beer first. We, we looked at it and said, let's put the consumer first and do what we can to put a great product out there. But at the end of the day, we're going to let the consumer drive what we produce and how we do it. And ultimately that was by us being the consumer, by being the consumer and the founders, we, I think kind of gave ourselves a little bit of an advantage in the beginning because we could take a step back and we yeah. didn't have an emotional attachment to anything that we produced. Right. Which and is like, huge. That is huge. I mean, and your packaging and your marketing is so catchy and, and you, fun. Yeah. It's super fun. And Thank you. I mean, and I like the name too. Was that something that just happened so, or were, were, did you have a lot of ideas? Yeah. So I can give a hundred percent of the name credit to my mom. Nice. The story on that is, as you mentioned at the beginning of the, of the podcast, my last name is Garfinkel. My nickname for years has been Garf and my dad grew up with the nickname Finkel. And I would say Finkel and Garf is a bit of a mouthful, but Garfinkel is even more of a mouthful. <laughs> and the, the fact that there is a Garfinkel's and Vale, we have absolutely no relationship to. Oh. And I, th I think part of what we wanted to was avoid using that name because we didn't want to create confusion and we didn't want to step on their toes. Sure. And when we had this idea of what our brand and the crest and what it all kind of stood for, it was this idea of not taking yourself too seriously, having fun. And ultimately we wanted something that related to the good old days. And I think there's a time when, you know, the good old days when there's nicknames. And yeah, so my mom's the one who ultimately said, why don't you guys use your, your <laughs> nicknames? And that would ultimately become the name of the brand. I love it. Oh my that. gosh, I love it. And I love nicknames. And yeah. I, and the family business. Well, and we were, we were so, doing a little bit of reading up on you and we're like, wait, we don't get, we don't get it. Like Garfinkel, it's like the it's the name, but it's Finkel wait, and Garb. Wait, hold on. I feel like it was more like Rachel didn't get it because she got stuck on Simon and Garb. Oh, yeah. Finkel. I literally was <laughs> like, wait, is there a relation? Finkel. I was like, wait, isn't there like a Have you heard band? that before? And I was like, yeah. She had to quick, I had to quick Google it. Do you get that a lot? Yes. But that's if, Funkel. If I, got, if I had a dollar for every oh, okay. Simon and Garfunkel comment, I... Oh, yeah, rich. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't need to be in the beer business. Oh, okay. <laughs> there is absolutely no relation. No relation. I I cannot play the guitar and I cannot sing. Oh, um, darn it! So Shucks. I'm sorry to disappoint everybody, but if if you want a, a Garfinkel 
relationship in Boulder, the best thing to do is just come to the tap room and enjoy one of our beers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So tell us about the well, beer business yeah. now, like from 2015 to 2020, what kind of changes are you seeing in that market in Boulder? A lot of changes. The beer market has wildly transformed. And I think a lot for the better, some for the worse. I think as anybody who lives here in this market can see there are a lot of breweries, which is great. It gives the consumer a lot of choices. Mm -hmm. You can probably try a new beer every day of the year and still not try all the beers that are out there. So from the consumer standpoint, it's fantastic. It's amazing. It's exciting. It's an exciting place to be as a beer consumer. And I think that's fantastic. What does that do for me as a brewer? Well, it forces us to stay on our toes, to make sure we are pushing the envelope and doing things that are exciting and new and different. And always putting our best foot forward. We kind of joke it's called Rotation Nation. You know, here today, gone tomorrow. Mm. You know, that works on premise or in bars and restaurants as far as draft lines go. And it also is the same situation as far as six packs and cans. And if you look at cooler doors these days, there are huge selections of beers in singles. You can buy six different beers and make your own six pack. That's awesome. But that wasn't a thing. It wasn't as popular in 2015. Hmm. So speaking, you know, a little more broadly, I would say in 2015, the market, you could put out your core beers, you could focus on your liquor stores, your bars and restaurants, you could sell directly to the customer, almost being in and out of these stores. And over time, that's changed. I'd say the biggest change happened just this past January in 2019, so almost actually a year ago, uh, where a law was passed that allowed grocery stores, convenience stores, to sell full-strength beer. Mm. I think that really turned the beer market on its head because it was something that, while we all knew it was going to happen eventually, none of us were really quite ready for it. Maybe some of the bigger players were because they're in other states, Right. But for a brewery of my size, there's something to be said for being able to walk into a liquor store, meet the owner, build a relationship, right. talk to them about the product. And at the end of the day, you know, they made the decision, yes, we'll bring you in or not yet, or you know, we might not ever. But at least you had the opportunity to build that relationship and create that opportunity. Hmm. Now the landscape has changed where consumers are buying more and more beer in grocery stores. The opportunity to meet your consumer in a grocery store is more and more difficult. Mm. We can do it in liquor stores. We can stand in liquor stores and, and talk and help the consumer find the product they want and, and give them the best service and experience possible. But once the grocery stores start selling beer, the opportunity for that decreased. So what are we doing? Well, we are doing what we can to adapt. And I'd say almost, yeah, we're adapting to this new way of selling beer. That would be the biggest change, I would say, since 2015. Wow. wow. I didn't even think about that. I know. That's super interesting, I'm well, sure. Yeah. Well, and what's crazy, too, is, like, you've got big chains, right? So King Supers and, or, you know, Kroger right. and Trader Joe's, like, they're buying a 
specific amount of beer from, you know, nationwide, right? Like, do you see, the quota, that, do you well, see them buy more localized so products? I give the Kings and the Safeway and the Trader Joe's and, you know, even Target, Costco. I give them all a lot of credit that they are trying their best to keep it local. That is what the Colorado consumer yes, wants. Yes, that's true. Absolutely. You know? mm-hmm. and, and they are they are doing that. But as far as the overall consumer experience, there is nobody in a grocery store that you could turn to to say, hey, I'm looking for an IPA that has more of a, a citrus hop profile versus a tropical hop profile. What do you suggest? Right. Whereas in a liquor store, yeah, you could find somebody – that could help you do that. And not every beer consumer knows the ins and outs of every, you know, grain bill and hop profile that's sitting on the shelf. So interesting. I would never, it is, it, that. it's yeah. one better than the other. I don't know. I guess time will tell. I would say it's a change that small local brewers in Colorado are having to adapt to and figure out this new path curious in terms of like margins and stuff. I mean, these big grocery stores usually do probably more or similar volume than a liquor store typically. And like, do they lower your margins or lower? The margin (laughs) don't necessarily change. The cost to maintain in the grocery stores is a big change. So grocery stores don't really have back stock. Oh, I might go to a liquor store and you'll see they have massive coolers where they can keep your beer cold and they can store it. They have employees and staff that are there to stock shelves and answer questions mm-hmm. and make sure that your presence in the store is maintained. Uh, a grocery store doesn't really have that. They don't have someone dedicated to the beer aisle. So it's up to us as the vendors to maintain our own shelves. So margins on the product themselves they're not paying any more or less than a liquor store is, but my cost increased to maintain that shelf space. And I might need to be in a store multiple times a week versus in a liquor store, I can be there once a week. Mm-hmm. So we're ultimately being spread thin, which trickles into our margins. But I wouldn't say that the grocery stores, convenience stores, they don't have any more buying power. Than a liquor store, they're they're paying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they might take a slimmer margin, but as far as us as the vendors, I'd say it's more on manpower where we feel it. And at the end of the day, it's really nice when you go to a liquor store and drop off five or ten or twenty or fifty cases, versus a grocery store, you might only be able two to drop off one or two. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Interesting. Kind of sounds like so, a you know, a staffing issue, like a personnel, but like somebody that has to be on it all the time versus just having like, I I think it's a, what it is for us is a shift in the way we operate. This is the new way of doing business. And as I said before, it's not necessarily better or worse. It's just new and different. It's a challenge that we have been looking at for the past year. And now we we're going to do what we have to do to uh, be where the consumer is. At the end of the day, I have to be where the consumer is. There, if, if you're at a grocery store with some friends, significant other, whoever, and you're getting what you need for dinner or for a barbecue or whatever it might be, and you walk down the beer aisle, 
it's a lot easier for you to pick up a six pack of whatever you see there that looks appealing than to go make that second stop. Look, we all, we all are looking for things to get as things as fast as we can. We all want the fastest internet. We want it to download quickly. We want everything at our fingertips. So I get it. Mm -hmm. So it's not a problem. It just means we need to adapt and that's what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I lived in uh, San Diego and in Vegas for a while and you can buy everything at a grocery store. And when you move, I moved home from here I moved home and I was like, Oh my gosh, it's, it, it, it's a, it's, it's not convenient the way we had it before, but you see, well, you know what, in Pennsylvania, they actually don't, they have like separate. So in Pennsylvania, you have to go to a state liquor store to get any kind of liquor or wine. And then there's mm-hmm. beer stores, which are totally separate and then nothing in the grocery store. Although I think the grocery stores are just now starting to like get in on something, but it's like three stops there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There it's like a triangle. You just drive around. It, it would be great if it was standardized across the country, but it's not. We're subject to the state laws and some states maybe move faster or operate differently. And, and that's that. I'll tell you this. One of the big advantages of working in uh, having a brewery in Colorado is that me as a brewer, I can self-distribute. I can walk into a liquor store. I can talk to the owner. I can take an order. I can go back to the brewery. I can load up my car or van or whatever and bring them the product. I don't have to use a distributor. There's a lot of states where that three-tiered system is required. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to is how your state operates and what you're used to. And if that's the way things have been for years and years and years, and you know how to operate and you can learn that system, then that's fine. What the challenge was here in Colorado is that the system changed. So we happened to be in business during that change. And now that means that we need to, as I said before, adapt and evolve and, and learn the new system. And it's not, one's better or one's worse. And, you know, the way Philadelphia or Pennsylvania does it is is not necessarily better or worse than the way Colorado does it. It's just different. And I'm sure the brewers in Pennsylvania know that system and what they need to do. And they've built their business to work within those parameters. And here in Colorado, we are doing the same. The parameters have just evolved, changed. Yeah. Do you sell outside of the state or are you Colorado-based? We are... We are Strictly in Colorado, uh, you can find Finkel and Garth products from essentially the Longmont area down through Golden and then east through Denver. Uh, that is currently, as the year evolves, we will be going further and further. And hopefully by the end of 2020, we will be available almost statewide. That's awesome. Great. That's exciting. exciting. It is exciting. It yeah. is. We have spent a lot of time and working to make Finkel and Garf more available. We're going down towards Colorado Springs. We are moving up towards Fort Collins, moving into the mountains a bit. And uh, we want to make sure that everybody can get Finkel and Garf. I love it. You're growing your community. I actually wanted to go back though and talk about something you touched on with your brewing community. Cause I think that's mm-hmm. interesting for probably people to hear about. 
and how maybe an example of how you leaned on the community when you were getting started and how you've maybe helped reciprocate that with another brewery here in town or close by. Yeah, so we did a lot of brewery tours when we were in planning. So I would say first and foremost, the the tours and the people that we met, they were more than gracious to answer any questions we asked. I mean, we were on a beer tour and I'm looking off to the left while the tour is going on to the right because I'm trying to understand how they plumb their glycol system. And for me to ask a question about that, that nobody else on the tour would know or understand or care about, mm-hmm. you know, for anybody on any of these tours, whether it's Avery, left hand, upslope, I mean, everybody was, you know, Odell, more than happy to pause the tour to answer my questions. Um, in the immediate Boulder community, I would say Avery was a huge help. Sanitas was a great help. Um, the the questions and the things that we're trying to solve are all things that everybody has gone through. Mm-hmm. It's everybody needs certain things in a brewery and understanding that and helping us get a grasp on cost, you know, our initial costs and what to plan for. Um, having the resource of other brewers in the community was huge. And I think at the end of the day, my view has always been if there's another brewer that needs help that is in planning, that has a question, I'm going to help them. We couldn't have gotten to where we are today without the help of the other brewers in the community. And we appreciate that. And we're thankful. And I would not hesitate to help anybody else that was trying to get into this business and build a brewery today. It's something that is rare, I think, in a lot of industries. Mm -hmm. And I think it is something that is very cool and unique about the beer industry. And I'll tell you this, I was in New York a few months ago and I went to a couple breweries. Oh, I was at other half. And I told them I, we were brewers from Colorado. They invited us back, showed us their system, what they're doing. We talked about uh, all their different beers, the processes, things they're doing, things we're doing. And we had a great conversation. Uh, are we exchanging trade secrets? No, not necessarily. Right. But we're having a conversation about what we're doing and encouraging each other. And that, that to me is a big reason to be in the beer business. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the commu- that community sounds wonderful awesome. and very unique. <laughs> yeah. Um, what if everyone could do that? Unique. You know, yeah. like what if every industry could have more, you know, graciousness and... Right. You know. well, less competition and more of the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it would be great. I, I don't know if it's necessarily possible. Yeah, yeah right. Um, <laughs> but one can dream. Sure. Yeah, we can all dream, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think it would be really interesting, though, if you, if you kind of applied the beer industry philosophy to other industries, just you know, in a hypothetical sense. Right. Like, I think one that probably has a little bit of height, you can probably speak to this a little more, is probably the real estate industry. Right. And helping each other, you know, when there's listings and finding the the right buyers. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you're not the best option for this client, but, you know, this broker might be a better option and connecting people and trying to help the industry. I think 
that that's really the only one that comes to mind that I can think of that is similar in that we're all in this together. Right. Kind of mentality. Yeah, totally. and I, I think it does come down to like the individual people, right? Mm-hmm. So if like you have a group of people that us at market, right. we we like really care about the people first and put people first, and that's why we love what we do. And I think it's mm-hmm. literally just a person to person thing. And maybe the beer industry, you know, kind of has that like Same gene kind of personality. Yeah, right, the exactly. Little- and we work as a team too. And in that regard, that's pretty different for commercial real estate as opposed to, you know, that competitive working against each other, even in the same brokerage house is not mm-hmm. the same case with us. And I feel, and we feel like that pays off. Some people might be not feel that same way, but I think um, it's like, there's enough business to go around, right? right? Like there's plenty of drinkers, there's plenty of business, like right. abundance mentality over right. scarcity, scarcity can like tra- transform the world. Yeah, especially in Boulder with the real estate market like we have well, in Boulder. Well, yeah, I mean, we can't complain. Yeah, we're not complaining. We're not complaining. He's, <laughs> we're in the, he's in the real estate game. He knows. How is your dad still involved? Like, where's your dad at? Yes, yes, absolutely. So my dad and I started the brewery in 2014, as I mentioned. Uh, now my brother joined us about three years ago after he graduated from CU. Oh. So it Go is bus. my brother and I and our father. So we are very much a family business. And as we say to our, are we nine employees now? I think we're eight. They're all part of the family too. And they're essentially Garfinkels by default. Yeah. Um, so it is very much a family run business. My dad is involved. He's, he and I are on the phone, you know, anywhere from five to 25 times a day there. We're in constant communication. Uh, same with my brother. We are always talking and working together to, you know, push the brewery forward and make better decisions. Three minds are better than one. So, you know, that's true. Why not, why not discuss and come up with ideas and plans and strategies and execute on them. And sit around and drink beer and, you know, do it brainstorm. Yeah, exactly. Let's, uh, let's sit around the table and discuss. Share beer. Um, It also, it also takes a lot of the pressure off of each individual. Sure. Um, yeah. It helps. So I know I'm sure you love all your beers, but what is your favorite <laughs> beer? Oh, right that's now. a wonderful question. I would say I kind of associate the different beers we make with different things that I'm doing. It kind of depends on my mood and what's going on. If it's a cold winter night or I'm sitting by a fire, I'm grabbing our oatmeal milk stout for sure. That is... That is the beer to have. If it's a beautiful hot summer day, I'm probably drinking our American lager or peach wheat, uh, light, refreshing, crisp options. The go-to after work beer for me, I think, is our dry hopped amber. And when I'm eating, depending on the type of food, I generally will have an IPA. That's that's pr- is that all of them? I feel like we, I feel like we might have got all of them there. Not no, quite. Not quite. We produce a lot of different beers. We have four that we basically do year round. We have our American Lager, our Red IPA, our IPA, and our Oatmeal Milk Stout that we produce year round. And then we have a whole variety of other beers that kind of come and go. We like to produce a wide variety. And so we have a lot of different options and 
when we start getting a lot of requests for a particular beer, like maybe our rye saison, uh, we take note of that and uh, we'll bring it back. Bust it we'll out. brew a batch of that. And then, uh, you know, if somebody's requesting something else, then we'll do that. And I think part of the beauty of what we're doing is we brew 15 barrels at a time. That, in relative terms, is, is a pretty small volume. And so it gives us a huge amount of flexibility. And because of the way we label our cans, uh, we're not forced to brew any particular thing because we're sitting on pallets and pallets of printed cans. We are working with a roll or two of labels. So if the consumer is looking for a certain product and we get emails and phone calls and our liquor stores are asking for it, then we'll make it. And if it's not selling and it's slowed down, let's say, then I have no problem saying, you know what? Let's put this one on hold. Right. And when the people want it, they'll let us know. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You can be flexible. Nimble. Right. Yeah. That's the good thing about exactly. the size. You have, yeah. to, you have to be nimble, especially in today's market. Competitive the consumer is always looking for something new and interesting and different than they have before. So awesome. do you and your brother and your dad sit around and figure out, like, are you guys the brewers too? Or do you have a brewer just... Who comes up with the new? We, we, we have a brewer. Uh, his name is Connor. He is amazing. Everybody on the team is amazing. And we're small. Everybody is very talented. And we have a bit of an open form as far as the beers that we're going to make. When it comes to limited releases and new things, the opportunity for anybody really at the brewery to present an idea, the, the door is open. The opportunity is there. And generally, we'll take an idea for a beer. We'll kick it around, and it'll evolve and change. And you know, one person might have an idea that we should add this or that, and another person will have another idea. And and so I would say every beer that we make starts as just kind of a broad concept, and then we kind of narrow it down based on everybody's thoughts and opinions, and produce what we think uh, makes the most sense. That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. That's good. There's, Collaboration. A, there's, a, there's a peek behind the curtain of our process. It's, I know. It's, uh, Thanks for sharing that little little secret with us. Yes. Collaboration, yeah. though. That's good. <laughs> that's something the big companies, you know, probably can't really do on that scale. It's like too many opinions at a certain point. Mm, <laughs> probably. probably. Well, okay. You're awesome. We so, so <laughs> thank, thank you. you for joining us. We love Pink Absolute One Garf. You're, yeah, that was very cool. Very interesting. Is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners before we uh, wrap up? Yeah, I would like to invite everybody up to our tap room. I would like everybody to come by and see what we're doing. And we have quite a few beers on tap that aren't necessarily available in cans. And you should come check out our can wall. We have a wall behind the bar that is full of cans and we do all kinds of cool designs. Right now we have a Zelda themed design up there. I think there's about 2,800 cans on the wall. We are changing it starting in February. We're going to change it every two months. Wow. Uh, we've got all kinds of cool ideas. We're going to do a, um, we'll do a Yoshi wall, which might be kind of cool. We're yeah. going to do Tetris. We're going to do Pac-Man. Cool. Uh, we'll do some really cool and interesting things that once you're there and you kind of look at it, you're like, oh, wow. Okay, now I can see it. It's even cooler when you look at it through your phone because some kind of camera magic happens where everything 
becomes more clear. Maybe. Suddenly yeah. becomes more clear and yeah. makes more sense. And it's pretty exciting. When, when you see somebody looking at the law and they're trying to figure out what it is, they take out their phone and they look at it and their eyes just kind of open and they smile and they go, ah, I see. I get it. I know what this is. So, ah. yeah, I, I think I, I would love everybody to come up. See what we're doing. We've got all kinds of cool events. We've got a lot of new beers we're going to come out with in 2020. A lot of exciting stuff. We've got a bunch of events we're working on. So check us out on Instagram. Our handle is Finkel and Garf. Pretty simple. F-I-N-K-E-L-A-N-D-G-A-R-F. You can find us on Facebook as well. And our website is just FinkelandGarf.com. Yes, so come check sweet. us out, follow us. We'll post everything that you need to know on those channels. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in the tap room uh, sometime soon. You're probably really thirsty now. So we recommend you hurry over to the Finkel and Garf tap room in Gun Barrel for a cold one. We hope you enjoyed learning about the beer industry in general and hope you'll consider choosing local when you make your next beer purchase. Check out Dan's bio and contact information on our website and in the comments.